0: no we get we like to get silly, um, but this is true about me and and uh, as you get to know me, you, you know this is true i I'm, if I'm not silly about something, I'm not serious about it. Like, I mean that. Like, I, if, I, if something matters to me, like, I joke about it. And so we don't want to take worship and make it like this thing that if you grew up in church, that, there might have been parts that made you feel uncomfortable in there. you got to be able to have fun with that. Because if you're on the outside looking in at what worship culture looks like, like at churches, it is a lot of different interesting things that happen. And some of the things that we did aren't far off. And I'm not saying they're wrong, but from where I sit, sometimes they're weird. Um, and so, and I'm sure people look at us that way. So it's not like we're saying we do it right or we're like the, the best worshipers. It's just fun to take a minute and look at worship that way. Um, but truly with expressing uh, in this series, we want to launch into a, a new, uh, I'm going to say a new paradigm, a new season for our church. And that is a, uh, uh, to be a church who takes some specific time. Um, throughout the year to just gather to worship him. And um, other places have done this. So we want to start to do this more and more. And so we are going to have in a night of worship exclusive to just coming together to sing, to praise God, um, to express how much we love God because of how much he loves us uh, on October 23rd at 7 p.m. right here. And so uh, we're going to have the band. We're going to do, you know, a two-hour set of worship. It's going to be a lot of different exciting things that happen. It's going to be a time to just gather in the name of Jesus, uh, bring friends, take a night out. It'll be amazing. So put that on your calendar. We'll be reminding you of that um, over the next couple weeks. And then I have a very important announcement, a We Can't Commit Night announcement. Raise your hand if you have made a commitment to We Can't, you wrote down on a piece of paper or you did it online, that's right, all of you that just raised your hand, we sent an email out to invite all of you, and we did snail mail to all of you that made a commitment, and uh, we want you to be at this night. So if, if you didn't RSVP, please check your email or look in the mail and get back to us because you are going to need to be at church on October 9th so we can uh, just give you some updates, give you some new information, super exciting what's happening as We Can't progress with generosity in our church and also with the plans for the building. And that's what We Can't is, is this generosity initiative for those of you that don't know. And if you didn't know what that was and you didn't raise your hand, then you might be sitting there going, well, what? A, you know, is this just for them? Listen, if you want to know what we can't is about. And you want to know what we've all committed to do and, and what some of the details are, and you're just interested, and you haven't made a commitment, come to this night. We're not barring the door. I mean, anyone can come in. We want anyone who's interested in what is happening to be a part of this night. But please, if you made a commitment, I'm telling you right now, listen. You, if you miss this night, you're gonna miss a lot of detail, a lot of information about the biggest uh, steps that our church has ever taken. So then, if you miss it and then you're frustrated or whatever, man, it's kind of on you. And we'll even do some more videos in the meantime, but please. Do everything you can. If both you and your spouse made a commitment and only one of you can come, somebody be there that night. We going to child care. We're gonna have childcare, we're gonna do some stuff just to hang out and be together and then we're gonna have an, uh, some time, we're gonna g- give you some updates and share some things, you're gonna hear from some other people. It's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be fantastic. So please, big, big deal, I'm doing this on the live broadcast, I'm doing this on uh, the, uh, the video that will be shown so that everyone who watches this will know about this night I don't think there's a more important night for those of us that committed than October 9th. Did you guys get the picture? Raise your hand if you're ready for me to move on. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Um, We can't commit a night as October 9th. Just kidding. All right. Um, Expressing. So we are in the final week of a series about worship. And what we're talking about is how worship is your entire life. And whatever you do to express value, honor, gratitude, Uh, you're worshiping, and we do that all the time. We do that about food, we do that about sports, we do that, we're just worshipers. And so what we're trying to get everyone at 514 Church to do and to see is that we have to be uh, specific, we have to be intentional about choosing to worship God, about expressing honor and praise, thanksgiving, love towards God. Um, If we don't, then we will naturally kind of gravitate towards other things. And so if you're a follower of Christ, you have a relationship with Christ, then we talked about in week one how God's promises should prompt praise, because we've looked at the story of Abraham and Isaac, and if you don't know that story, um, it's a beautiful story in Genesis uh, chapters 21, 22, 23, um, about God calling a man and saying, hey, you are going to be the father of a great nation, and uh, at the time, Abraham and his wife could not have kids, and they were older, and God said, I'm gonna give you a son, and then from him, all the nations will be blessed. And they laughed because they were so old, and they weren't able to have kids. But when God fulfilled that promise, what it did is it totally revolutionized Abraham's, Abraham's life, and everything that God said from that moment on, he trusted, and he worshiped God no matter what he did, no matter where he went. He wasn't always perfect, that's not the point, but he believed God, he trusted God, And so once he asked him to then go on and sacrifice his one and only son, whom he had promised he would give, whom him and his wife couldn't have, which was this major miracle, and then God said, now go sacrifice him, Abraham didn't blink. In fact, he just started worshiping. He just started being obedient. He just started trusting God because he had already learned that God was worth following. And so when you and me look at what God has told us, that he has promised us an abundant life, that if we follow him and, 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 and uh, give our lives to him, that he is going to, to bring a newness of life, a freshness of life, and that he's going to provide for us along the way. That there's a life of blessing. You know, a lot of people think that the blessing reality in terms of our relationship with God is an if-then. If you do this, then I'll bless you. If you do this, then I'll bless you. And this is a whole other message, but I just want to just hone in on that for a second. It's different. God says... If you trust me and worship me, if you honor me in every way of life, that path that you go down, on that path, there's a lot of blessings because I've ordered that path for you. But a lot of us would choose to go off the path. And then it's kind of a crapshoot. Sometimes good things happen to bad people on that path off God. Sometimes bad things happen to good people that are off that path. But when you're walking with God, whether good or bad, God has blessings. He has answers on the path where you choose to follow him. That's the difference. So when you choose to follow God, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. You lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways you acknowledge him. Whatever uh, path you go down, if it's the path that God has called you to, then it's like Pokemon. You just keep walking, and then boom. Boom, there's a blessing. Boom, there's a blessing. He has already put them. The path is already complete. See, God is outside of eternity. So He lays them all out and He says, Man, if you go behind door number one, you've got a lot of prizes coming. That's the difference. That's the way God works. And then when we go our own way, He's like, Man, without me down that path, I haven't set up all the goodness that I have for you. You're going to miss out. And so, for those of us that love God, when we, He says, Go down this path, we should go, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to go down this path. It's so good. God has so much to offer me. Yes, 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 yes. And we start to worship God and obey God and experience God. So his promises should prompt praise. And last week what we talked about is how worship is a give, not a get. And how a lot of us, we forget how much God has given us. We come with an empty jar and we say, God, fill me up. And for those of us that don't know how much God has given us, that's exactly what you should do. And 514 is a church that says, if you have an empty jar, get in here. We want you here. We're not gonna make fun of you for having an empty jar. In fact, we like that you have an empty jar because we believe God can fill up that empty jar and he can do something great. But then those that know that their jar is full, that God has blessed them, that they have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, man, that means our cup overflows with how good God is and we're supposed to come and give to God. And the story of Abraham and Isaac Abraham was called to give his son that was the worship to give and so our disposition as followers of Christ has to radically change it has to go through a change we have to go from getting to giving and that doesn't mean that God will remind us but here's the thing it's not a refill it's a reminder It's not a refill, it's not like you get more. Once you get God, you get all of God, you can't get more of God, you get the full Holy Spirit, you get all the blessings in the heavenly place, your cup overflows. What happens is, is we forget, so you don't need to refill, you need to remember. So we come together to remember, and then we give, we give, we give, we give thanks, we give praise, we we give our finances, we give our time, we give our energy. That's what worship is about, is giving back to God. Can you imagine? Going towards a God who's given you everything you could ever need and more. In fact, he's given us so much, we don't even realize it. So much you don't even realize it. So much goodness you don't even understand. Just a shadow do we understand. Just a speck. Just The scriptures say that right now we see through a glass dimly. It means that we look through life and we look like at the bottom of an old Coke bottle and it's all blurry. And we can't see how good things are, but one day we'll see face to face and we'll go, whoa, I can't believe I had all this. I can't believe I had all this treasure and I didn't act like it. I didn't act like it. And so the believer goes, okay, I need to know, I need to understand that I've been given all these spiritual blessings and then I'm going to go and give. I've been blessed. I have a lot to offer because God has filled my jar. Worship is a give, not a get. And today i want to talk about a very simple concept. Something that should revolutionize the way that we live our lives. This has to do with who God is and where he spends his time. And so many of us, if we understood who God really was and where he, where he was, where God was, and what God could see, if we believed that God could see us right now, if we believed that God was in the room, we would act differently. We would, we would just act completely differently in our lives. You know, there's a scripture uh, that a lot of followers of, of Christ know, where two or more are gathered, there he is in their midst. Raise your hand if you ever heard that, if you grew up in the church, where two or more are gathered. A lot of people think that's a verse that, that has something to do with the church, like when people get together, then God shows up. Hey, we're going to get together, and then God shows up. Well, it's actually not the point. The point of that passage is really in the context of discipline, and the idea is that when two people believe something or say something, it's more you know, valid than if just one does, the author says god 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 agrees with the two over just the one but the the reality is is that god even if you're alone even if you're praying by yourself in your closet or in your car god is there see scripture say in proverbs chapter 15 it says that the eyes of the lord see everything all the time looking upon the good and the evil so it's just a weird verse right like God is right here. He's like with us right now. In a New Testament sense, the scriptures teach that when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So we're the temple. We become the temple. In the Old Testament, it was a physical temple. And there was this honest Shekinah glory of God that would go inside the temple. And there's actually a part of the Bible where after Israel turned their back on God, like the Shekinah glory went away. And then the idea is that it comes back in the Holy Spirit. So all of us that accept the Holy Spirit have the Holy Spirit live in us. But here's the thing about God. Whether you accept God or not, the good or the evil, whether you accept him, he's there. Like some of us in the room have not embraced Jesus, but God is right here with you. He's watching you. He sees you. You're right here with him, whether you acknowledge it or not. And if we acknowledged it as followers of Christ, how different would our lives be? I mean, just thinking about if you're in college right now, right? So if you're in college and then you come home to your parents and then it's like, my parents are there and then you're like, I'm going to go to college and then you get to college. I believe that when I was in college, I acted differently at college than I did at home. I don't know if that, that might just be me, but I'm pretty sure when I'm at home, I don't go to Taco Bell at four in the morning when I'm in high school, when I'm 17, 18, 19. But in college, I did that all the time. Uh, Way too much. I had a moment, like the freshman 15 for me was like Mexican pizza problem. Because you act differently when you're in college. Because your parents aren't present, because it's a different authority, because it's freedom. But the thing about college that all of us don't understand is that when we go to college, God's still there. He's right there. He's, he's ordering a gorgita crunch too. You just don't see him. He's right there. And so, what if we believed that God was present all the time? What if we believe that? How different will we be? I want to remind us of the story of Abraham. We're going to read through it. This is in Genesis twenty-two, five through fourteen. That that's a sign. We're supposed to read 514. Here we go. All right. Um, Genesis 22 verses 514. What we have here is Abraham has been told to go sacrifice his son. And then they they head out on the journey. When they go up to the journey, they travel for three days. And they get to the place, this mountain that God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. And that's where we pick up in the story. And what I want you to, to think about as we read this story together I want you to think about the presence of God, the presence of God, how Abraham is walking through this act of obedience, this worship that he is doing, doing what God asked him to do, living his life, giving his his son a give, not a get, praising God, how all that is different because Abraham acknowledges the presence of God. He said to his servants when they got to the bottom of the mountain, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And I'm going to just point something out to you that you maybe never read before or thought about before. He says this. He says, we will worship. We're going to go up to the mountain and worship. And then he says, and then we will come back. Abraham is taking his son to sacrifice him. But Abraham knows God. He's going to do what God says, but he knows that God has promised to bless the world through his son. So he doesn't understand it all. He's just walking in obedience. He's like, all I know is we're going to go up here to worship, and then we're going to come back because I know that God is going to do what only God can do. And think about Abraham saying that with God present, God watching. Hey, you guys stay here. We're all gonna go worship and we'll be back. Right, God? Okay, Uh, you're getting me. Okay, God, we'll keep going. Look what he goes on, we will come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Here, son, you, you you carry the wood. And then he himself carried the knife and the fire. I mean, he takes up fire and a knife. He's like, we're going, man. And he's, in my mind, in my kind of theatrical mind, of, uh, uh, just the reality of this, it's like, you take the woods, get, get your hand on the wood, because if you take the fire and the, uh, the knife and learn what I'm about to do or think I'm going to do, you're going to take it and run. And so Abraham is, is like, okay, you take this and you take this. As the two of them went on together, they're walking together. They notice they have has fire, have a knife, and have wood. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father, to, to Abraham, he said, Father. He said, Yes, son. He replied, The fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where, what are we going to sacrifice? What are we going to do? And Abraham says this this phrase. He says, God himself will provide. God's going to provide. The way he says that is, we're going to go up here. We got fire and a knife. And he doesn't tell him that he's going to be sacrificed. He just says, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to do whatever God says. Because I know that when we get up there, God will provide. So I'm going to keep stepping down this path. I'm going to keep worshiping God. God, I can trust God. Remember, we talked about um, two weeks ago. If you don't trust it, you don't worship it. You just come alive about stuff that you believe in. Abraham is like, God will provide. Don't worry. He's going to take care of this. So there they go. They go up to the top. When they reach the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. Look at this look at this sentence. I mean look at look at Abraham. God is present. God is watching. God is there. He's like, "God, I'm just going to step through and worship you. I'm just going to do it. You're right here. You're watching me. You told me to do this." I mean, he doesn't sit there and go, "So God like Okay, so we're here. Like I I I've done it this far. We going to do something? Change it up the game." He's like, okay, God told me to do it. He just keeps on going. God is good. I can trust God. I'm going to do whatever he says. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I got to tell you, like, this is dramatic to me. And for some of us to read this, but Abraham, I can just see him going, like, God is right here. God's watching. Isaac, like, I got to do something, and you got to trust me, man. Just turn around. And I just, just, just lay down right here. I'm telling you, remember I told you God will provide? God will provide. The whole time God is watching Abraham, then he reached out his hand, he took the knife to slay his son. Abraham already told the people at the bottom of the mountain, we will return. What is going through Abraham's mind? God will provide. God told me that he's gonna bless this entire world through this boy. He will not turn his back on me now. And all of that is happening, and Abraham has God's presence in his mind. God will provide, God will give us a sacrifice. It's gonna happen. I'm just gonna keep trusting God. I'm just gonna keep doing what God has asked me to do. Then he reached out his hand, he took the night to say, son. But the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. Called out to him from heaven. Called out to him from heaven. Now, in this sense, we don't see God. We just hear the voice of God. And in the Old Testament, it's, it's believed, and, and people a lot smarter than me believe, that the angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you didn't grow up in church, you might be like, wait a minute. I thought Jesus showed up, you know, 2,000 years ago. Isn't this older, Old Testament? Jesus has always been, from the beginning, he is God He created the world, um, and he's always been and always will be. He's the beginning and the end. So he was part of the creation story, and he's part of this story. And you just get this idea that God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are sitting up on the throne, and Jesus is like, I got this. Hey, stop. Don't. Good work. He called out, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham just like, I'm here. I'm right here. I'm doing what you told me to do, what next? You see, the next time he hears from God, he's thinking, what next? I've done everything you told me to do at this point, I've worshiped you, and man, here I am, what else do you got for me? Abraham, Abraham, here I am, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not lay a hand on the boy. I mean, the idea in this this moment is that Abraham is willing to do exactly what God said, to the point where uh, other authors in the scriptures lead us to believe that Abraham was ready to go and kill his son, believing that God could raise his son from the dead to still fulfill his promise. Now that sounds crazy, unless you have a God who always keeps his promises. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, God, here you are. Don't don't do it, don't do it. You look, man, you are, wow, you trust me. What in the world? And that's what God says, you would really do it. Do not do anything to him. Now, I know that you fear God. You worship God. You spend your time doing what God said. You're living your whole life for God. You're trusting God. Now we've seen that. We know that you trust me. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. In the moment, in the moment, God provides a sacrifice. And the story goes on. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. God will provide. God will do it. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided on the mountain of the Lord. You see, in the picture, we kind of get this idea, and I think if we understand church a certain way, we, we believe that in places that we call sacred, a church, a cemetery, I, I don't know, you might think that God shows up there in a different way. And then the idea here is that he went up to the mountain, and he had to go up to the mountain to worship God. And, and there's some teaching that you had to kind of engage God in the Old Testament because of his holiness, But the the picture that we have now in front of us that Jesus kind of brings full circle in the New Testament is that you don't need to worship God in any specific place, on a mountain, in a church. What God is looking for, he talks about in the New Testament, Jesus tells, uh, tells someone in the New Testament, I'm looking for those that will worship me in spirit and in truth. Basically, I'm everywhere, and you can worship me everywhere. You can do what I ask you to do. You can constantly express how good I am, and you should. And if you knew I was with you, and you believed that I was God, man, then that's what you would do. That's what you would do with your whole life. They call the mountain the mountain of the Lord, the mountain where God provides. But the mountain is just a picture of of our lives, God will provide. When we give our lives to him, he provides for us. And we will worship God in a totally different fashion if we believed that God was present all the time. I believe this is what Abraham felt. He understood a relationship with God. God told him to do something. He knew, okay, we're going to go up and worship. God's right here. We're going to go up there and take the knife. God's right here. I got to do what God says, and and isn't it true that we will be more obedient when the authority figure in our life is present, making sure that we're doing what he said? Some of us struggle to do what God said because we don't believe that God is present, and doing what God says is an act of worship. Last week, um, our oldest son, Kellen, was out riding his bike, and a bunch of kids were out there. And Jet, our four-year-old, he ran up on one of the neighbors' front porch and grabbed a newspaper. And for some reason, my son, Kellen, they're playing football, flag football right now, he thought that he was supposed to police Jet and tell Jet that he's not allowed to get that paper. So Kellen, uh, in one move, drops his bike on the ground. Uh, This is me hearing the story secondhand. He runs up onto the grass and tackles Jet. Just, Just takes him out and pulls the paper away. You're not supposed to have that. And Katie was standing, watching. So I am sitting down. I was really ingrained in something. I was like totally preoccupied by this overwhelming sense of responsibility to, to make sure that I watch all of Lamar Jackson doing the Louisville game, because like he's, he's probably gonna win the Heisman, so I was preoccupied. But when, I, when, when Kellen did this, Katie reacted, Kellen! <clears throat> to the front door and it actually made me get off of the couch I was like oh I know that stomp and so I went over to the front door and Katie is 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 receiving jet who's just bawling and you're going you're too rough you just hit it you tackled him why'd you do that why'd you do that jet are you okay and I said hey boy (laughs) and I gotta tell you like when I get in full dad mode and I say the things that only dads say, oh, it is just frustrating. Why did you hit your brother? He walks up. Uh, You saw me? Katie, did you see him? Yeah, we saw you! That's right, well, I didn't know. You get up to your room right now, get up there. Well, I wanna tell you something. No, don't tell me something, just sit down on your bed. So I take him up. I sit him down on his bed. I said, you need to be quiet. Daddy's upset. I call myself daddy. Isn't that weird? Daddy's upset. Daddy's upset. You just be quiet, but I want to tell you something. No, don't talk. You're already in trouble, but daddy, I hurt my stomach when I dropped my bike. It hit my handlebars, hit me under the ribs. I'm like, oh, buddy, are you okay? You're fine? (laughs) Oh, oh, you're okay? Okay, now be quiet. You stay right there. I was like, I'll be back. So I went back downstairs and and finished the first half of the Louisville game. And then I felt like God was telling me it was time to go up there because it was halftime. And so I went upstairs and I I, I just said, buddy, I said, why do you feel like you, you can just tackle Jet? And again, he, "I, I didn't know that you could see me. I said, Oh, Daddy can see you Daddy and mommy are always watching you. That's how you got to think and I told him and I did I'm serious I said, you know, God can see you And he was like, yeah, but that's not gonna stop me from tackling jet anymore. He didn't say that but it would have been funny. Um, I said You know, you got to be nice man. I said we watch you you hurt jet. You're bigger. You can hurt him Isn't it true? That you and I, like if we believed that God was looking out the window of our lives, we'd behave differently. Like if you believed that God was present, would you praise him more? God's presence promotes obedience. This whole time we've been sitting here, I've had this balloon. And i got to tell you, and if you know me, you know this is true. In my mind today, this was God. I mean, right? Smiley face, that's God. I mean, if there's a balloon, stock balloon that's God, it's this one. And there's a bunch of stuff I've been wanting to say up here that I didn't say because I believed that God was right here. That was a joke. A bunch of inappropriate stuff <laughs> that I probably would have said, but I was like, no, God's right here. I mean, can you imagine, like, if I spent my whole life, if we spent our whole life, like, no matter where we went, we are like, man, like, if people walked up and they were like, what are you, why are you holding that balloon? Is it your birthday? No, I just walk with God. He's with me all the time. It's uh, fun. It's a fun time. No, I mean, seriously, you walk around, we don't have a picture that God is with us all the time. This is our picture. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Jesus said he's going to be with us. So he's watching you. He's with you. And if you believed that, you would praise him differently you would talk differently. You'd be Abraham. You'd be walking up the mountain. Okay. So we're going to go up and worship, right? That's what you told us to do, right? Okay, let's go. All right. He said it. He's in charge. Man, he made you, Isaac, you wouldn't be here if it weren't for him. So just trust me. Like he, he brought you into this world. He can take you out. God is here. All right. Just put him up on the altar. God's right here. I'm going to do it. Okay. Hey, stop. Oh, okay. All right. What? Whatever God says goes when you believe that God is wherever you go. You see, what we don't understand as followers of Christ is that worship is so much bigger than praise and worship. It's so much bigger than expressing. It's about obedience. You see, in the New Testament, Paul, one of the greatest authors, said, therefore I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your holy and acceptable form of worship. Basically what he's saying is everywhere you go, you need to believe that God is with you and that your life is a sacrifice, that you're supposed to lay yourself down and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to respond? And I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that if every person believed that God was with them, everywhere they went, they would worship God more. You guys, if we believed that God was here, How much differently would we worship? How much louder would we sing? How differently would we engage one another? You see, worship is a lifestyle. It's supposed to be, God, everything I do, I wanna do for your glory. In the New Testament, it teaches that we should do whatever we do, whether in word or deed, for the glory of God. You know what that means? Just get this picture. That as I'm walking with God, Everything I do makes him proud. Come on, like like some of us are doing things that like we only do alone. And we think because mom's not there, because he's not there, because they're not there, I'm okay. That is proof that we forget that God is in the room. What type of life of worship do you have When you think that worshiping God is isolated here and that when you walk out today, God is following you home. You know when you get in the car and you decide what you're gonna have for lunch, he's right there. When you lay your head down at night, just think of this picture right here. Hi, Joel. When you wake up in the morning, God is with you. No matter where you go. You know what's so cool about the presence of God? It's one thing, man, to think about God being with me wherever I go, but you know what's even cooler? Is that you are with God wherever you go. You're with him. Man, giving thanks, giving time, serving God. Yesterday, 600 people woke up to go serve. Those people have this idea, God's watching me. I'm tired. It's my Saturday, but I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go serve some people because, man, that's what God wants me to do. And if I believe that God is here, I'm going to do what God asks me to do. Worship has to get bigger in your mind. Walking with God is worship. Walking with Him. Because if you're walking with God, you're going to honor God. C.S. Lewis said it this way, we only learn to behave ourselves in the presence of God. In other words, you will not behave yourself if you don't believe you're in the presence of God. God's with you. Students, he's with you. Every couple, every every married couple in here, every college student, every CEO that's sitting alone making big decisions, God's right there. Every banker, he's sitting there helping you make those choices. Every school bus driver, he's helping you drive the bus. Every teacher, God is with you. He is with you all the time. Man, if we believed that, our lives would change. Every person in the military, God is with you all the time. The real crisis of worship today is not that the preaching is paltry or small or that it's too drafty and insignificant in the church. It is that people have no sense of the presence of God. God is here. Take a deep breath. God is here. He's in our midst. He's watching us. He's with us. And if they have no sense of his presence, how can they be moved to express the deepest feelings of their souls to honor, revere, worship, and glorify God? Oh, presence of God promotes praise to God the presence of God promotes obedience to God it will change your life when you sense that God is with you I have to tell you today God is with you if his presence is necessary for worship then we should never stop worshiping him because he is always present I think we forget that the holy Son of God who loves us so much, he died on a cross, he rose from the dead, that's what makes him who he is, man, he's our savior, he's our redeemer, he's forgiven us. No matter what you do, he loves you, he's with you, he's fighting for you. If he is with you, nothing can stand against you. That's the promise. Man, hey, maybe we can have like a moment today where we express the presence of God. We thank God for how good he is and that he's with us, that he talks to us, that he cares for us. Could we express how much we love God because of how much he loves us? Could we express how much we love him because he's with us? I want you guys to stand up, we're gonna pray. And then we are going to take a, a moment and acknowledge the presence of God through this song that we're gonna to sing together. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your presence. You are here, you are with us. You are, are, are in this room, you are in my heart. You are watching me, God. You know what I'm thinking, you know what I'm fearing, you know what I'm enjoying. You know what I, uh, my plans are and you know what, what my ambitions are and you know the same thing about every other person in the room. And you know the bad part about us, God. You're like right here, you know how bad we are. You know we've messed up. We know, you know we've let you down. You were there when we let you down, yet here you are. You're right here. You're right with us. You love us. God, help us to acknowledge and to see you in that, in that sense, this, this smiley face. I love you. I'm glad to be with you. I want to be with you. God, and help that acknowledgement of his presence change everything about our lives, every single thing. I pray conversations are different. I pray um, hearts get changed. I pray decisions are different. I pray everything about us is different because we acknowledge the presence of God. We love you today. We're gonna worship you in Jesus' name.